Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. Hello, thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. This show is a part of the Farm and Rural Ag Network, so if you like ag podcasts, check out farmruralag.com for some good ones over there. Well, if you've been following along at home, you know we have been in the series Accelerating Ag Tech. This is actually the final episode in that series. When I started the series off back with uh, Sarah Nolet, uh, I told you that we would be highlighting both the startups as well as the accelerators themselves. My intention was every Wednesday to feature a startup and every Friday to feature an accelerator on follow-up Friday. As you know, if you've been a subscriber, that has been hit or miss (laughs) to say the least. And there's been several Fridays where I have not followed up with an accelerator. I still want to share that content with you because I think it's valuable and interesting. Uh, the format just hasn't been executed very well on my end, and I guess for that I, I do apologize. Part of the reason is just uh, lack of, of organization and execution on my part. Another part, though, is that some of these conversations as I interviewed the accelerators, I just couldn't bring myself to chop it down to five minutes. It, you just weren't going to get the value of hearing more of these conversations. Uh, You heard that back when I had uh, Pete Nelson on the show to talk about Ag Launch, and you're going to hear that today. We have two different accelerators that I originally interviewed thinking I was going to narrow this down to a follow-up Friday, but I really just want to share more of the conversation with you, not because they are the same, but because actually that they're very different. You're going to get an excellent sense of the different areas that accelerator-type programs can fit into the startup ecosystem. Everything from our first guest, which is George Bonnick with Hatch, Uh, They are the world's first aquaculture accelerator, and you're going to get to hear how an accelerator can sort of bring an industry to life, start to foster an ecosystem within an industry straight from the outset. Then you're going to hear from Joel Harris, who's with Ag Startup Engine. They're a much more established program. In fact, Joel himself has already had a successful exit before he came back to uh, help build this program and offer resources oftentimes to maybe later stage startups, uh, or at least not uh, at least not startups that are just kind of heading at them with an idea. They've got a little bit more uh, going on and they need some extra resources. So you're going to hear two different perspectives, but I think very interesting conversations for very different reasons. I'll get out of the way and let you enjoy these. This is the, the first conversation here is with George Bonnick of Hatch Accelerator talking about aquaculture. George is going to start off by just telling us how Hatch Accelerator came to be. Yep. So one of our co-founders, Kasim Komer, he has a PhD in aquaculture nutrition, and he worked at what then was the the first ever aquaculture VC, um, Aquaspark, in the Netherlands. Uh, working there, he realized there's a need for for more investable startups. The technologies out there are promising. There's a lot of innovation, but many of them are not really ready to scale. 
with the investors or with the corporate side of things. Um, I, at this time, have a background in biotech and also renewables, but decided I need to go back to where my, where my passion is, which is um, simply fish. So I, I went back to business school and uh, was about to, to finish there, got in touch with Carsten. He was not yet working on an accelerator, but had plans. I was exactly in the same situation that I, I wanted to start up uh, something that supports entrepreneurs in the space. So when we got together, it was a really quick um, or easy decision to, to start something together. And then we also connected later on with uh, Wayne Murphy, who previously run accelerator programs, though not in aquaculture. So that was a really good fit because we brought in the, the knowledge on the science and, and aquaculture, and he brought in the expertise of running accelerator programs. Okay. And I don't know my, my Norwegian geography, although I am half Norwegian, I, sh- I should have visited at least once and I haven't yet. But uh, tell me about where you're located. So we we run the first program in Bergen in Norway, um, which is pretty much the center of the salmon industry, and I probably would also say of the of the global aquaculture industry. There, there's at least no other place in the world that is as condensed um, as this one in terms of aquaculture. There are many uh, farming companies, mainly salmon farmers, uh, up there that have the headquarters. They like Marine Harvest, like Leroy, so the largest companies out there in terms of salmon farming. But then also the universities obviously are very focused on that industry, uh, producing since, since three decades, four decades, really good research. Uh, they are the suppliers that then set up shop there because their customers were there, so they developed their and some of them then are a global companies that have their headquarters for agriculture there, but then also work in all the other markets around the globe. So for us, this somehow little town, a little bit off um, Bergen is, is really like the place to be. And uh, now we're also running a program in Ireland and we're looking to run programs later in, in Southeast Asia because Southeast Asia or Asia in general is, is really the big where the big volumes in terms of aquaculture are farmed um, across different species so that's really important for us and we see a lot of deer flow from there and um, yeah it, we definitely need to be there excellent and uh are you the first aquaculture focused accelerator i would say so there we know about a couple of challenges or incubator type stuff but we are the first one really on a global scale with a with a full, um, with a high intensity program over three months. So, yeah. Great. And, and, and to expand on that, if you would, just um, <clears throat> give us an, an overall, uh, over, I guess, an overview of the program itself. So, it's a three-month program. It's on-site. Um, we, though, take, take the startups to, to different locations. So, in the current one in in Ireland, we will spend two weeks in Bergen, and we will also spend one week in Singapore. With the previous cohort, we all did the same. We went to Singapore for a week. And uh, while we are uh, either at our home location or overseas, we, we have mentors coming in um, about two to three a week, and we have um, individual sessions with each team and our team. And the so it's 
it's quite an intense program, I would say, because also the other startups in the cohort are all within aquaculture. So there are a lot of synergies between the different different startups, um, usually. Um, we invest some money in, into each startup uh, at the moment, 25,000 euros uh, in, in, in cash. And um, yeah, the program runs for three months. And after that, from our perspective, the, the relationship continues and it was basically just the start of it. And your first cohort, can you just give us an overview of the types of problems that were being solved by those companies? Yep. So in the first cohort, the, the innovation ranged from lab-grown fish uh, with finless foods to, to a lot of farm-level technology. So solutions to monitor water quality, environmental data, then aggregate that into useful information for farmers on on a shrimp uh, or for shrimp farmers um, and all the way to like an accounting software. Um, we had, we had start, uh, startups working on, on better sensor technologies, for example, to, to understand the flow of water through farms um, and we had we had a marketplace company that that connect seafood sellers and seafood buyers. Uh, we had a traceability solution uh, that that goes across the whole uh, value chain. So I think the typical topics that you would see in in the rest of of the ag tech industry in terms of precision precision agriculture, we see the same happening in in um, in aquaculture. Um, our system. Like the aquatic environment is, is I would I would guess quite challenging because diseases are easily transported and um, the parameters can change real quick. So I think that's really important to have a good understanding of that and then communicate that to the farmers. And the aquaculture industry is quite diverse in terms of its uh, in in terms of its educational or expertise level. So you would have some small scale shrimp farmers. Um, running extensive systems somewhere in Myanmar, all the way to really professionalized salmon farmers in in Norway, um, and they then of course have different levels of sophistication in terms of their technology usage. But we are into all of them, mainly for example, then aggregating bigger data sets for the salmon industry to help them overcome their individual challenges. And when you first announced that you would be selecting a cohort, um, did you have a lot of interest? I, I guess I, I don't have a good feel for how many aquaculture startups are out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we obviously there are not as many aquaculture startups out there as there are fintech startups or you know like generally ag tech startups. But what we saw is that I mean our first cohort was was quite international. We had eight companies from seven different countries and. Uh, that's uncommon, I would say, for like a first batch of an accelerator. So the reason was that these guys were like, wow, finally there's something really tailored to, to what we need. Uh, they were looking to join like more generic uh, accelerators or so. So of those aquaculture startups that were out there, I think we had really, really good interest because we had a really unique uh, value proposition to them. And um, I, I guess total amount of aquaculture startups out there a little bit depending of course on the definition but i think it's somewhere in the range from three to uh 500 startups i would guess okay and do you think you know now having an accelerator program like this um, will encourage more i hope so i i actually think so so um 
we we met a number of people that said, wow, if they would have been around five years ago, I would have chosen a different career path or I would have done something differently. Um, and yeah, it's our, absolutely our ambition to, to, to encourage people to start something up. I think the industry is really interesting. It's, it's got to scale now that is, I think is interesting. Uh, total, the total industry is valued around 160 billion US dollars. Um, it has really good growth drivers. It has, um, therefore like a really good, um, ex outlook in terms of future growth. And, um, the, on the flip side, it's, it's really scattered. And the, in each country, there are only a few people that really know about aquaculture. If I walk into like a room and say, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm working on aquaculture. People, people sometimes don't even know the difference between aquaculture and fisheries and so on. So I think it's for, for, um, yeah, for, if we can be that bridge, if we can say, hey, you're not alone, and there are resources, there are actually people out there that want to fund you, and there are, there are, there are companies that are interested in, in in buying your product or working with you to develop further, I think that can ultimately then encourage more people to, to start something up. What has you most excited about the future of aquaculture? Mm, I think we have... We have a, really good tool in our hand to produce healthy proteins sustainably. Uh, and I'm, that's where I'm coming from, from like an environmental impact perspective. I believe compared to other, other protein production systems, aquaculture is quite, uh, efficient in terms of its CO2 footprint, water usage, uh, so on. So I'm, I'm excited just in general to help the industry become more sustainable and grow further. And I, I believe then that if we remove some of the bottlenecks in terms of what type of feed, for example, we use, or maybe overcome certain diseases, we have really good individual, um, or for, for each sector, really good growth, growth uh, perspective. Great, George. Thank you so much. That, that, that's uh, some really good information for me to share. Um, just one yeah. more thing. Uh, could you just end maybe by talking about uh, what Hatch is looking for for future uh, companies to join the program and, yeah. uh, and how they might get in touch with you? Yeah. So I think we're ex especially interested in, in feed solutions. So if, if your company that, that has a new ingredient, like a protein, uh, um, that is cost competitive to, to existing, for example, soybean or fish meal, this is something we're really excited about. And, and we, of course, we're looking for, for just motivated people. And if there are people out there that say they want to, they're maybe not even yet there, but they really want to get into the industry and want to have a startup in that space. Also, please feel free to reach out to me either via email at george without the e at the end at hedge.blue or just through our website or social media channels. Thank you so much to George for being on the show. I, for one, am very excited about the potential in aquaculture. It's, an, it's just an interesting segment of this industry. I do plan to highlight it more in the future. So really enjoyed that conversation with George. And uh, it's also just good, good to get a sense of um, an accelerator from another country uh, on this show. I definitely lean heavily on my contacts in the U.S. for guests. And so uh, I would like to continue to get a more of a global perspective just in general on the Future of Agriculture podcast. Um, so if you know anyone in aquaculture or just uh, doing interesting work in agriculture in general, um, maybe outside of the U.S., help expand my network and get some more global perspectives on this show.
Okay, next we have Joel Harris, who's with Ag Startup Engine. As I mentioned at the top of the show, this is going to be an interesting conversation for, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, number one, like I said, Joel has had a, a successful exit of his own right, and, and he's going to talk a little bit about that here. He goes on to share some perspective of being on both sides of the table, both as an entrepreneur and now um, offering resources to other entrepreneurs about his best advice uh, for how to succeed in, in what is a, a difficult challenge, growing something from scratch. Enjoy this interview with Joel Harris of Ag Startup Engine. Ag Startup Engine was founded, it was really an idea out of Iowa State's Ag Entrepreneur Initiative with Kevin Kimley and a, and a few other uh, institutional investors in the state of Iowa around filling this gap between ideation and um, execution. So another way to say that is there's a lot of interesting business plans being developed by graduate and undergraduate students out of Iowa State, and they're kind of faced with this decision, do I go the usual career route or do I take this idea and make a business out of it? And so the Ag Startup Engine, what we try to do is provide seed capital um, at an early stage, take a take a bet that these entrepreneurs are going to be successful and help facilitate that through either mentorship or um, our network of investor members. And and do all of your companies come out of Iowa State or are you open worldwide? Uh, the, when we first started, we were really focused on uh, on Iowa. So it didn't have to come out of Iowa State, but the, um, the first... Uh, I want to say the first five companies had ties to Iowa State University. Um, we've opened that up to a company, uh, AutoMed, which was actually founded in Australia and has relocated to Iowa. And then also TractorZoom, which is based in Des Moines. And so we are starting to open it up. Uh, we still want to be Midwest focused, at least in the short term. But you know, my hope is um, we can attract all sorts of agricultural technology. As you are considering companies for the program, what are you looking for? Uh, so my role is to kind of facilitate the deal flow. So a lot of our companies are coming out of the Iowa State Startup Factory Accelerator Program. So that's a true accelerator program. We're more of that where you go after an accelerator program. We're a private entity. And so the companies we're looking for are ag tech focused. They have a strong business case. Um, they've done substantial customer discovery. Um, they may have prototypes. Um, some of the companies are already generating revenue, which is great. Um, is always a plus. Um, but I think it's, it's the ones that are really looking to leverage the network um, that we have in Iowa with the universities and also the financial institutions and angel investors in, in the group. Cool. And, and how, how did you personally get into this? Uh, it's funny. So <laughs> um, about 10 years ago, my father and I started Harris Vaccines, and it was just a completely different ecosystem back then. You know, we really relied on um, John Papa John Center, uh, won a couple pitch competitions, but then really had to go out and, and raise our the money on our own. And so the history of Harris Vaccines is then we grew that from about five to 50 employees. Uh, we had a couple hits with being the first to commercialize a vaccine for porcine epidemic diarrhea, which killed about 8 million pigs in um, 2013. So we were the first with that vaccine. And then also the first to develop a, a USDA stockpile vaccine against avian influenza, which hit in 2015. So after that, we exited 
to Merck Animal Health. Uh, I stayed on with Merck for a year doing business integration, technology transfer, and the global marketing strategy. I left Merck and I just was kind of really itching to get back into startups and wanting to give back to uh, help entrepreneurs avoid some of the the hurdles (laughs) that are out there when you're starting a company. And uh, it's just completely different now. I mean, there's so many, uh, especially in ag, there's so many accelerators now. There's so many resources. It's really hip and cool to be an entrepreneur these days. But that doesn't mean the, the challenges of finding VC money or top talent or um, strategic partners or um, even just office space. <laughs> so, so I, if I can share any of my um, you know lessons learned from what my father and I were able to do and become successful, then I feel like I um, you know am helping people avoid those those potential traps. Right. And yeah, it's, it's real hip and cool from the outside looking in, but sometimes from the inside, it's not so hip and cool at all. <laughs> it's a grind. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a grind. And, you know, and really what I try to remind our investor members, cause a lot of the initial pushback was like, well, do I really need to be a mentor? You know, what's my time kind of time commitment? And we're very open and not structured. It's, it's really, if you want to be really involved with all the companies or one of the companies, you have access. If you want to just send an email to an entrepreneur that you saw their press release that they launched a product or got this account and say, good job. I mean, that can mean so much to an entrepreneur that's, that is in that grind day to day. wondering, Am I crazy? <laughs> you know, like, am I really doing this? And you need that kind of constant, um, you know, just small pats on the back can go a long way. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. So you mentioned kind of, you know, because of this coolness factor surrounding entrepreneurship in recent years, there's a lot of resources and accelerators out there. In, in your mind, where does Ag Startup Engine fit in, in that and, and kind of what's what's the unique value proposition for your program? Well, again, it, it's that we're not really an accelerator. It's kind of where you might end up after that program. It's like, okay, you've gone through the six months, um, you know, maybe you've raised a little bit of capital, but you're trying to do a I don't know, 500,000 to a million dollar seed round. Um, we would like to be you know, on your stop of uh, financial entities to consider because the investor members we have like Summit Ag and Next Level Ventures, Iowa Farm Bureau, um, Peterson Genetics, Hertz, just to name like a few of them, you know, they're kind of connected in a way that you get through the seed round and you're ready to do a series A or additional capital raise um, they've already gotten to know you. You've networked with them. They've seen under the hood a little bit prior to that Series A mm-hmm. and could really help you secure that uh, significant round. If you look at Smart Ag, who just did a $5 million Series A, or Gross Win, who just did a $2 million, I mean, we're looking at the fact that um, you know, we're kind of surprisingly successful in a way because uh, I think out of the seven companies, they've gone on to raise an aggregate total of $10 million already after us. So it's, I feel like in that way, it's the value prop is that we're a stepping stone um, to get you prepared for those more significant um, investment rounds. Okay. But you wouldn't call yourself an incubator, right? I mean, an incubator is more, no. uh, more along the lines of a, of a, a large corporation kind of helping comp- startups along. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I guess in a, in a way we are, um, but it's kind of up to the, to the startup 
Uh, we do have some office space that's shared with Iowa State Startup Factory. And so some of our portfolio companies take advantage of that. So we give maybe subsidized office space for six months to a year. Um, but that's it, really. It's not... Uh, I guess we allow our portfolio companies to cohabitate to a certain degree, and that creates some really fun competition uh, for different startup awards or recognition. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting experiment, um, but it's not in the true, I guess, uh, you know, literal incubator type program that that's out there. Okay, makes sense. Um, what 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 about the companies that have come through your program? Talk about sort of the, the biggest change or the biggest shift from when they, uh, before they start Ag Startup Engine to when, when they go through the program? Sure. Well, I think we keep tabs on certain uh, companies in the cohorts of the Iowa State Startup Factory. And so from that event, we're watching them kind of learn how to pitch, how to build a business model or business plan. Um, and then if they come into the Ag Startup Engine, they may have a handful of employees um, and all of a sudden, they're asking for, okay, we need uh, legal help or contract help or accounting help or marketing and public relations. And so we tap into partners like LWBJ, which is an accounting service, or LS2 Group, which is a marketing and government relations firm in Des Moines. And they can kind of leverage those resources. And it's just kind of amazing to see them grow and add people or win uh, awards like the Technology Association of Iowa's Prometheus Awards for Startups of the Year, which uh, Performance Livestock did. And then to watch them be like, okay, we've outgrown this space. We need to move out of our subsidized office space. And now they have you know, are thinking about building a building or they've leased um, significant square footage somewhere close by. And it's, it's, to me, it's really cool. It's like, wow, I mean, there were two guys, two or three guys at Performance Livestock, and now they're up to like 20. Hmm. It's been less than, less than two years. Like that's kind of, to me, that's like, okay, you know, they're really rolling with it. Um, and it's fun to watch them grow. Absolutely. No, that's, that's really, really cool. I, I mean, you've been on both sides of, of the table here. Um, I would just be curious to you, you know, what's, uh, we have a pretty entrepreneurial audience listening to this show. Um, from your experience, both as an entrepreneur growing a startup and, and having a successful exit, and now working with startups, um, what would be kind of your number one piece of advice to someone who either uh, wants to start a company in ag or, or maybe is just now starting one? Yeah. So I, I, I like to think back on, you know, did, when we went to raise our series A, did, I don't think we really knew what we were as, as a company. And I'm not saying like we didn't have a vision or value or, you know, mission statement or any of that. I, I think you got to be cognizant of when you're raising capital, um, what that does to your equity position, but also, you know, who you're letting in to influence the direction you want to go. And so I'm always, what I really like about this program is that it's a, it's a low uh, capital stake. So it's between 25 and $50,000. It's a convertible note typically, and we encourage the entrepreneurs to negotiate with us on those terms. Um, because once you get into more sophisticated institutional monies, you may need to be giving up uh, 
more equity or you got to establish a board and give a board seat up to, and those can really change your direction. So if you uh, have to be confident in what you think the business is, where you want to go, how you want to grow, be willing to say no to investors if they're not the right one for you. I mean, those are all things that um, it's hard to weigh and balance that when you're trying to make a payroll where you can see the end of your cash runway <laughs> looming, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, my, I always encourage, uh, encourage people to just really be cognizant of that, you know, and just know who you are both as a person and as a company. Great. Um, and then just uh, last thing here, you know, it sounds like obviously it's a really entrepreneur friendly arrangement when it comes to investment. What is asked of them from, from a programmatic standpoint? Uh, well, besides that, sometimes we like to parade them around and say, hey, look at these great startups that are <laughs> happening just in, in the middle of Iowa. Um, I mean, we, we have uh, investor member meetings either quarterly or every six months. And so we ask them to give an update on their hiring, um, their revenue projections, uh, their challenges, if there's anything we can help them with. Sometimes you got to pull that information out of them. Um, cause it either, you know, they may not think it's a big challenge now, or they can handle it themselves and they don't want to ask for help. And so we try to, you know, ping them and say, you know, we have this Rolodex. Um, we've been through this before a, a lot of the investor members, like we know you're going to hit these hurdles at some point. How can we help you through that? Um, and then, you know, we kind of, we do ask that if they'd go on to raise a series A or another seed round that, uh, we have the ability to participate in that if we wish. Thank you to Joel and to George for being on the show here today and sharing some perspective about their their respective programs. Uh, While this is the end of Accelerating Ag Tech, this is certainly not going to be the end of us sharing stories about exciting startups in agriculture on this show. That is a a pillar of of this show. In fact, the the, the four pillars are uh, ag entrepreneurship, ag tech, sustainability, and food security. So we'll continue to share those stories. I just thought it might be fun to do so in a series that also highlighted these accelerator programs as well. Hope you got some value out of that, especially you aspiring entrepreneurs uh, who listen to the show may be seeking these types of resources in the future. Hey, one other program I wanted to bring to your attention, if you don't follow us on other social media platforms, you may not know yet, but uh, my my day job, I should say, is, is uh, I do recruiting. I have a company called AgGrad, and we just launched AgGrad 30 Under 30. We are selecting uh, or we are open for nominations so that we can select 30 individuals under the age of 30 doing interesting work in agriculture. And we're going to make sure that these are not just people in corporate agribusiness and not just farmers. Um, So we're going to make sure that the 30 are spread over five different categories, which are agribusiness, production agriculture, research and technology, that's one category, research and technology together, entrepreneurship, which may be of interest to some of you listening out there, and then also education and advocacy. So across those five categories, we're going to select 30 people. That is going to be the, uh, the focus of the content AgGrad puts out for the year of 2019 and would love to have you nominate or be nominated or shoot, nominate yourself uh, by going over to 30under30.ag. That's URL, 30under30.ag. Very easy. Just tell us who that person is you'd like to nominate, even if it's yourself and why they belong on the list. 
Would love to have some nominations from the Future of Agriculture community there. Hey, we will be back next week. Uh, I've got another episode from Stories uh, Stories from the Soil for you, um, but also heading into some really exciting stuff on the show. I, I'm excited to share more about that as time goes on. Thanks so much for listening every week. Really appreciate being able to do this and have somebody on the other end listening. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com. That's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh!